0: Welcome to the Stockdale UCC Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged to find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleUcc.org. I' to give you guys a little bit of an idea of where everything stands right now. Uh, King Jehoshaphat, right? He is the king in the kingdom of Judah. And they've got a little bit of a problem. Okay? Their little bit of a problem is not actually a little problem. It's it's a pretty big problem. They have the Ammonites who are going to fight against them. And if that's not bad enough, the Moabites decided that they wanted to come to battle too against Judah. And if that wasn't bad enough, the people from Mount Seir also decided that they wanted to come and do battle against the kingdom of Judah. So, we have the kingdom of Judah right now, and they are getting ready to be attacked by three armies... Armies that are so large and so great that they have really no defense against these armies. That's kind of a bad deal, isn't it? When you have a a problem or situation that comes in life that is bigger than you have even the slightest clue of how to do battle against it. So, the children of Israel or the children of Judah here, they gather in the house of God, and Jehoshaphat stands before the congregation, and he, he is speaking to God. And here, I, I want to read a couple of the things that he says here. First, in, in um, verse 12, he says this, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? We're in a place where the problem is bigger than we know how to deal with. We look at the multitude that has come against us, And we have no idea where to begin, but Lord, our eyes are on You. And I want to say to you this morning that if you find yourself in the middle of a battle that you don't know how to win, you don't even know where to begin, the best thing that you can do is set your eyes on the Lord. If we just start our battles out that way, we would find that things tend to play out a little differently. Then when we try to do it our own way, we get into battle, things start to go poorly, and then we cry out to God and say, God, help me, I've messed things up. Why not start out with our eyes set and looking to the Lord? The other thing that they did that I think was pretty smart is they came to the house of the Lord. We, we really are, are in a, an age and, and a, a culture where coming to the house of the Lord is, is kind of what we do when we really don't have anything else going on, you know what I mean? Yeah, amen, ouch, but I will tell you something, there is something powerful when we come. See, Jehoshaphat had, had, had already declared a fast. So everybody was at home and they were fasting, right? They were doing their own thing. But when he wanted to get God's attention, he brought the whole congregation to the house of the Lord. And it says, we're going to skip over here, uh, back, we're going to go back to verse 5. It says this, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And then we move down to verse 13. It says this, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives... And their children. This wasn't like it was some kind of exclusive club. See, I'll tell you, here's what, here's what I think happens a lot. I think when, when things begin to go wrong, we like to selectively decide what we want to bring to the house of God. Amen? Well, Lord, I can come to the house of God, but I'm only going to bring this. I can come to the house of God, but Lord, I'm only coming with this. What I find significant here is this wasn't a, a, a thing where like, well, we want the, the leaders of, of the families to come. We want this person and that person. We want, But they brought everybody. And everything into the house of God. And I will tell you, sometimes we're, we're in a place where we're like, you know, I can come to the house, but I don't want to bring the small things in my life. You get where we're going here? I can come to the house, but... I, I don't want to bring this thing over here. We come to church and, and we play church. We, we want to put out the things and put forward the things that look the best in our life and are the most honorable things. But what I want to tell you is that God wants you to, to bring the things that maybe aren't the most honorable things and bring them to, bring them to Him and to His house. Because what we have to understand is there's something... At stake. Uh, I I think if we counted real church attendance, we could probably cut it by thirty percent. What do you mean? We only get about a third of people. The people who actually show up, they're only bringing about thirty percent of themselves to church. You you see what I'm saying? There there was a song, and and, uh, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? I don't know if you guys have heard that, but the song poses this question. Have you given it all to God? When we come to the house, we need to bring everything. If we want to get God's attention, if you want to get God's attention, bring everything to the house. Now, while they were in the house and they had begun calling on God, guess what happens next? A guy by the name of Yahizel, I I looked up the kind of phonetic pronunciation of it, and that's that's as close as I can get. Yahzeel. He was there. And everybody's, you know, they're crying out to God. Jehoshaphat is making his plea to God, and the Scripture tells us that the Spirit came on him. Now, if you're wanting to see God move, if you can get into the house, and you can bring it all to God, and you start crying out to God, you ought to have an expectation that the Spirit's going to start moving. Now let me say that again just so we're, we're all on the same page here. If you come to the house and you're bringing everything and you begin to cry out to God, there ought to be an expectation that the Spirit is going to move. And so the Spirit began moving and He spoke to Jehazael, and He said this in verse 15. And He said, Hearken ye all Judah... And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You don't have to be a good preacher to get an amen when you're reading scripture, it says something like that, do you? I mean, when you get to a verse like that, everybody everybody in the, in the congregation, they're like, oh yeah, I like what that's saying. But, but you need to understand, if you're going to give God the battle, Amen. the battle isn't yours anymore. Amen. It's His. It says this, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Zeus. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jurel. Ye shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now... That's good. That's great. God said, tomorrow you're going to go to battle, and I'm going to be with you. Now, I want to, I want to say something here that I think is, is, is kind of important to note. They are in the congregation crying out to God. The Spirit comes. Jehoshaphat stands up and says, here's what God is going to do. You don't have to worry about fighting the battle because the battle's not yours, it's God's. And that sounds awesome, doesn't it? That's great. And God says, listen, tomorrow you're going out to battle. Something occurred to me when I'm reading this scripture. And it it was this, you still, you got the promise from God today, but you still have to have the faith to get out of bed and onto the battlefield tomorrow. It's easy when you're in church and the Spirit is moving. To make, oh yeah, let's go get them, boys. Let's do it. Yep. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. It's time for me to step out into that, that new thing that God's wanted. It's time for me to, uh, to, to, to minister at my job. It's time for me to, 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 to bear this burden and take this person on my heart. It's time to, and we get all excited because we're in the house and, and we're in the congregation and, and the Spirit's moving and we hear God speaking and we get all excited. But guess what? We wake up the next day. See, I I think this is where a lot of people get hung up, right? Right here. It's having the faith to get up tomorrow and get out on the battlefield. Church, you and I have got to have the kind of faith that gets us up tomorrow and puts us out on the battlefield. It's not just enough to come in here on a Sunday morning or on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday evening. It's not just enough to come here and and be a part of the congregation and cry out to God and feel the Spirit moving. God is calling us to get out on the battlefield, to go out. And and, and listen, He done done made a promise. He done said, hey, here's here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's how it's going to go. But we still have got to put in to our hearts and into our minds, that no matter what happens, I'm going to get up and press forward in his calling. I have I, I've, I've battled depression throughout my post-adolescence life. I, you know, I've had struggles with it. It comes and goes. Sometimes it's better than others. And, and, and those of you who have dealt with it, you understand what I'm talking about. And you want to know what the thing that I like to do best when I'm depressed. I like stay in bed. I'll wake up in the morning and I think to myself, man, if I get out of this bed, then I'm going to have to do something. And I don't feel like doing nothing. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and we can hear God's speaking, we can know that God's with us, we can, we can hear Him say, Aaron, Aaron, go, do what I've called you to do, I'm with you, the battle's not yours, it's mine, you don't have to worry about things, but here I am and I'm sitting, and I don't want to move. And sometimes in our spiritual life, we get discouraged. We get down because we see an enemy that looks so big and so bad that we think that there's no way that we can overcome them. And God starts speaking into our life and God says, listen, if you'll just step out, I'm going to have your back. I've got the battle if you'll just take the step. But we sit and wait and Wait. Because you know what? You've got to have faith to believe. Listen, God told him, Here's where the enemy's going to be. Okay? Now, want you to catch this, God says, Here's where the enemy's going to be. Tomorrow, you're going to go out there. Now, if the enemy's going to be there, and God says, Go out there, and you go out there, and God didn't do what God said he was going to do, what's going to happen? Yes, as Jubal says, bad things. Because you're right where the enemy is, and if God isn't there to protect you, you'll be right in the middle of all the enemy, right? Are are you getting what I'm saying here? That there is a degree of faith in our lives that has to be had in order to get us to step out onto the battlefield knowing that there's an enemy there, even knowing that God has promised His deliverance if we don't have the faith to make the step, we won't see it. If you don't have the faith to step onto the battlefield, you won't see God's deliverance. Now, verse 20 says this, And they rose early in the morning, and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, Talking about faith, right? Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe His prophets, so shall you prosper. Now... I'm reading this and, and I get to this part and, and I told you, it hit me, you know, you still got to believe to get out there. but And I'm thinking about this and I haven't got to the next verse yet. And then I read the next verse and you know what it says? It says, listen, if you believe in God, if you will believe God, take God at his word, you'll be established. In other words, you will be steadfast. You'll be rooted. You'll be unmovable. You'll be sure not sure in the sense like, raise your hand if you're sure. Anybody over 35 probably got that, right? You remember that? Raise your hand if you're sure. Yeah, the deodorant commercial. That was, yeah, see? How old are you? <laughs> mid-20s. They're mid-20s. They have no clue what I'm talking about. No, I, I was asking Brittany. I was asking Brittany. At least it's like I ain't telling. Forget that. Now mid-20 there, but, but we remember, raise your hand if you're sure, right? Okay. So I'm not talking about that kind of sure, or like I'm even oh yeah, I'll, sure, I'll be there. No, I'm talking about like steadfast like sure, like you can count on. If you believe God, then you will be sure. You will be steadfast. You'll be reliable. You'll be unmovable. You'll be fixed in position if you'll believe God. And then it goes on to say that if you'll believe His prophets, you'll believe the Word of God. If you'll believe what God is speaking through the Spirit, then you'll prosper. Wow. Wow. Well we're recording this on, on video now. I guess I I, I can preach on prosperity, right? <laughs> See that that that's a joke. That's a joke. That's pretty funny though. You have to admit. So. But let me tell you, if you believe the word of God, there's prosperity that comes. Listen, folks, I'm not talking about financial prosperity necessarily. Because God can do that too, and don't think he can't. But let me tell you, I've seen people who have, have followed God and, and have involved themselves in the work of the Lord, and it just seems like everything their hand touches is blessed when they get involved in this ministry. God begins to grudge when they get involved in this. You, you see His work when, when they're over here doing this. You, you, you see God begin to put things together. Because they take God at His word, and when they believe God and take Him at His word then he prospers them. Now, it goes on, and I like this part. I, I, I like the Bible. I do, and it's easy for me to get excited about what I'm preaching about because it's a lot of good stuff in here. This is pretty good. Verse 20, 21 here. It says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went before the army and to say praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. When they get together, and they're getting ready to go out and do battle, they put their heads together and they consult amongst each other. And you want to know what their bright idea was? Their, their big bright idea was this. Well, let's get some singers. So that they can go before the army and praise God. Now, if I'm a general, I'm going to roll my tanks out first. Amen? I'm going to send in some bombers and maybe hit first. But these guys, they get their heads together and said, you know what? Let's get some people together who know how to praise God. See, the Scripture tells us that the Lord inhabits the praise of His people. So you know what? If we're going to do battle, let's start with some praise. In verse 22 it says, And when they began to sing, When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. When they began to praise and sing, the Lord started to work. Amen. Yeah, I, I, you're right, brother, that's what happened. Yep, they praised and sang, and the Lord started to work. That's right. Yeah. That ought to excite you a little bit. You've got a secret weapon. You've got something that if you will, if you'll start to do in your life, you'll start to see God move in a powerful way in your life. If you'll just start to praise God when you're in the battle, when you're heading to the battlefield. If you'll just start to praise God when you see that that God, hey, God promised his deliverance. I know. I know that the enemy is out there on the battlefield, but I'm going to praise God anyways because I know that he is with me. And you'll start to see God move. I thought about Paul and Silas, the, uh, they'd just been beaten, well, and they were beaten because they were proclaiming the name of Jesus, and the silversmiths in town who made all the little uh, uh, figurines and, and different things of, of all these other gods, well, their sales started to suffer. So they got a bunch of people together and got them all riled up, and they, they had uh, Paul and Silas beaten and arrested. And here, Paul and Silas, they're in a the prison. And the Scripture said, at about midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing. They began to praise God. And when they began to sing and praise God, the earth began to shake. And as they're in there and they're singing and praising God, the earth shakes, the chains fall off them, and the doors of the prison open wide. And I want you to know that if we'll just start praising God, that there are some chains that'll start falling off of lives, there are some prison doors that'll start to swing open, and there's freedom that comes in the Spirit when we'll learn to praise God in the battle. So they went out onto the battlefield, and they found out that all the men of these armies, they got out there, and they started fighting against each other. Ammon and Moab, they wanted to destroy the people of Mount Seir, so they did that. But in the process, they decided, well, hey, we're going to take on these guys too, and they just had a big battle. So by the time the children of Israel got out to the battlefield, there were bodies everywhere because God had fought the battle for them. And the spoil of battle, the riches that the enemy brought with them were left out there on the battlefield. The scripture says it took them three days to gather up all the things that were left on the battlefield. And it wasn't just a little bit. Now, I want to take you back and I want to remind you that we read in here where uh, Jehoshaphat was saying, if you believe God, you'll be established, and if you believe his prophets or you believe in, in the word of God, the speaking of God, that you'll prosper. And I want you to understand this, that a lot of times we don't see God prosper us because the prosperity is found on the battlefield. In uh, Sunday night at the middle of September, I preached a sermon about sowing bountifully. Some of y'all who come on Sunday nights, remember that. The rest of y'all, you missed it. What can I say? You missed it. I want to read that scripture to you. It says this, but this I say: He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly; but he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he hath purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now I want you to hear this: And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, that you. Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What this scripture is saying is that if you'll get out and so bountifully, if you'll get out on the battlefield and do the work, then the grace of God is going to come behind and He's going to supply your needs so that you'll be sufficient to do the work that is set in front of you. This isn't just an Old Testament idea, this is a New Testament concept that we need to understand that if we'll do the work, if we'll get on the battlefield, then God's grace will provide us with what we need to fight the battle, what we need to reach the lost, what we need to be successful ministers of His Word. The children of Israel probably didn't know what they were going to find out there on the battlefield that day. But if it tells us one thing, that when we step out on the battlefield, that God's provision is there. His provision is there. Now I want to say this, as a church, if we will just step out on to the battlefield. If we'll step out after His leading, onto the battlefield following His Word, His provision will be there for us. His provision will be there for us. As individuals, as God calls uh, uh, you to, to, to get into ministry. And, to, and folks, ministry comes in a whole lot of different shapes, shapes, and sizes and forms. My wife and I, we were we were talking on our way up to Chillicothe yesterday. We were talking about the turkeys, and you know, I mean that that was something that, that major did, and they they, they did great. And it, she's like, "Well, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do about turkey." I said, "You know what? We need we need someone to step up in this church and get in charge, get it in their spirit." Listen, someone to get it in their spirit and get in charge of the turkey ministry. Don't be confused. We ain't we ain't going out and preaching to turkeys or anything like that. Although there are some Sundays, I I think that's never mind. Never mind. But that's not the turkey. But someone to step up and say, you know what? I want to be that guy. I want to be that lady. Who has it on their heart to organize it. You don't have to stand up in front of people to do it. Everybody thinks that to be in ministry, you've got to be a preacher. You've got to be a singer. Folks, you can organize getting turkeys to people who need it, and that is ministry. By the way, we need someone to get into the turkey ministry. Be praying about that. You don't have to do it on your own. And see, that, that, that's what, you, ain't, you don't go to the battle by yourself. You don't get on the battlefield by yourself. You have people who go with you. I'm going to tell you, in my ministry, if it wasn't for the people who have came alongside me and helped me, I would have just disintegrated by now. But there have been people in my life who have come into my life and who have helped me along. You don't have to do, you, you don't have to do it on your own. First off, God will fight the battle for you. But secondly, we have brothers and sisters in the congregation who will be in battle with us. This morning, it's time to step onto the battlefield. We have God's promise his promise that he'll fight the battle for us, his promise that he'll establish us, his promise of provision for our lives. But it is time for you and I to have enough faith to get up in the morning, to get up in the tomorrow, to get up in the future, to to look at a vision of of what's going to happen, to get up and to begin moving out onto the battlefield. The battlefield, the mission field. As I close, I want to say this. There's a scripture that that Jesus, he says this, he said, the harvest is is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers into the field. And folks, we look around the area we live. You you go across the street, down the road. Uh, you, You can you don't have to go 500 feet until you're going to find people who need Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. But we need people who will get out on the battlefield. We need people who will get out on the battlefield. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.